Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 32. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business, uh, tonight we've got Alex, we've got Beck, we've got no Stacey tonight, but um, guys, let's get straight into it because we're all, well, we're all buzzing after another exciting weekend of NFL. Um, as a Pats fan, great time to be, uh, great time to be a supporter there in New England. Alex, we'll get to your mighty Chicago Bears as they uh, as they get a dramatic win over Detroit, and uh, Beck, we'll, we'll try not to poke too much fun at you as. Uh, well, as Seattle continued to Seattle. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. What was the most impressive performance from Week Twelve? Uh, yeah, Beck, starting with you. Um, yeah, interesting week. I mean, it's good for you guys. Both your teams are coming off wins. Um, fingers crossed. Seattle can tie the knot, and all three of us can be on a high. Um, but this week, I want to call out the Dolphins, but more their defense. Um, coming up against the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton, you know, we thought he was going to reignite this offense and bring in a next level of play for them. But Dolphins' defense just came out and dominated. They sacked him five times, they intercepted him three times. And then on the punt in the first quarter, these special teams come up with a block punt turned into a touchdown. Like, I think this is the best the Dolphins are going to get. Yeah, no, and I'm, 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 it's good to see because, you know, the Dolphins have made me look foolish. You know, in the preseason, this was my team. You know, I actually thought they were a really good chance of competing with Buffalo for this division, and it's been anything but. But, um, you know, good to see that they're starting to put a few wins together and, uh, yeah, definitely got a soft spot there for Tua. Uh, look, for me, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I think we've spoken about a few of these franchises in the past where, you know, you kind of expect them to eventually improve. I mean, if you're going to take top picks for about a decade, uh, surely you can start to turn things around. And Cincinnati, you know, you can start to see a few of their players begin to flash, but, you know, the world certainly revolves in and around their quarterback, Joe Burrows. Didn't have much competition against a pitiful Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben, he is definitely on the way out. But Joe Burrows, you've just got to beat the team that's in front of you. It was outstanding. He took a few years off off my life watching him uh, rush for that touchdown, though, after that ACL. That was uh, a little bit silly. Hopefully the coach pulls him up on that one. But, yeah, great to see Joe is back, and, um, yeah, he's back to his best there. Alex, what about yourself? Uh, You know, another great weekend of uh, NFL. Yeah, uh, shout-out to the Bears for pulling off that win and not giving the Lions their first win. It was a bit close for a minute there, but they pulled it out with with their kicker. But for me, it's got to be Dallas Raiders. And I had the privilege of watching this with Beck. And we were sitting and we were watching this game happen, and it was just like tit for tat, yard for yard. Like, they were very evenly matched. And then it goes into overtime, and they're kicking in. I'm pretty sure I turned it back, and I said, I called this last week. It was going to be close. But I got to call it the 12th man on the field for this game and the referees because 28 penalties, 14 apiece. Dallas had 110 yards – sorry, Raiders had 110 yards out of their penalties, and Cowboys had 166 yards from their penalties. Like, that is just – insane yardage and is ridiculous. So props to the 12th man on the field for this game because they did a standout bang up job in refereeing. Yeah. You wonder whether the umpires get like a little bit of a paid sponsorship for every time they appear on the television, but uh, yeah, 28 appearances uh, in that game. That's uh, that's certainly something. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight. The breakdown. It's do or die. One game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. 
You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to, went to plan at all. Uh, and they run through our ass like sh- through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> Beck, what we love about the NFL is, you know, even when results are not going your way, still the storylines in and around the NFL, it's just, it keeps us intrigued week in, week out. And this week, one of our feature games is a, a blockbuster, if you want to say that, in the NFC North, just because of its storylines. Let's go through it. It's the Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Beck, we love our NFL football, but you know, if someone was to offer you the job there in Detroit, it's something you'd have to have a good think about, and I think a lot of coaches have over the years. It's just a franchise that just really hasn't been able to get itself together, but you've studied the film, you've looked back at previous results. It's probably not as bad as, as what their record suggests. I mean, every, every, every team has potential to be great if you have the right coaches, the right staff, you pick the right players, and I think... Um, you know, Dan Campbell has been slotted into a difficult position taking over this team. You know, he brought Jared Goff over. It's his first year there. Um, there's a couple of other, you know, bits and pieces that are making this team not so great, but they have the potential to be great. And I think it's going to come down to that number one draft pick next year, potentially. Yeah, no, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. And let's quickly touch on touch on the, the quarterback position uh, Alex, you know, with, with Jared Goff coming over in that blockbuster trade uh, involving the Rens. Uh, talk, talk us through Jared Goff because, you know, obviously he's been in the league long enough now to have a really good read on who he is as a quarterback. What's your thoughts on him? And, you know, is this a guy that can kind of lead this franchise forward? Or to Beck's point, should they be looking at the draft in terms of some uh, other, other options? Um, I don't know if I'd be looking at another quarterback just because his draft class is coming in as a quarterback friendly I think for any team really. So I think the Lions, I think stick with Goff. It's his first year there. You know, he's kind of, you don't have kind of the standout receivers that he's probably used to. Um, And I think it's kind of building that consistency and that repertoire with them. And they've been hit with so many injuries, Um, but utilizing just kind of key players a little bit more. I think when we kind of watched Goff start playing with the Lions, he wants to kind of utilize everybody and didn't really have a relationship with anyone. Whereas TJ Hawkinson, like he is a consistent playmaker and I'd like to see Goff use him a bit more like in this past week he scored his first touchdown in like nine games like that's a long stint for Hawkinson who last season was a big kind of part of the Lions I don't think Goff is a bad quarterback like I actually think he has you know a lot of good qualities about him I just think that you know they're rebuilding at this Lions place like if we look at how successful he was at the Rams like he managed to get them through to the playoffs um, you know, obviously wasn't successful in that season. But, you know, like I said, he has the potential to be great and do great things. He has all the qualities you kind of want in a quarterback. I'd be looking at their coaching staff because when you look at their game from last week, right, Josh Reynolds only had 70 yards and one touchdown. So he's not – they're not getting these triple digits like other – receivers so I wonder if it's the play calling are they not running the right plays are they just trying to run short route after short route after short route because eventually you've got to go down the field you can't just keep going two three yards it's just uh, you know I'd be looking at their offensive corners and I'd be looking at at those decision makings there behind the scenes yeah, I 100% agree. Like when you look at their stats in terms of receiving, Hawkinson is their leading receiver. And like you said, he hasn't had a touchdown in nine games. Like that's the play calling, right? They're just not getting the ball to him in the red zone or in the right time in the places. And then their second um, highest receiver is DeAndre Swift, who's a running back. So like what is happening with this receiving call? What's going on with this team? Yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot of questions. 
Yeah, there's certainly a lot of questions. And I, I guess, you know, thinking about the draft as well, it, it becomes really problematic because, Alex, to your point, there is no outstanding quarterback or it doesn't appear to be in the next class. So, therefore, you know, you probably don't want to take the risk in terms of replacing Jared, who's a, who's a decent player. But in saying that, you kind of want a little bit of talent in the draft so you can maximise that trade because previously – you know, what would you get for, for a number one overall draft pick when you think about the Trevor Lawrences and those that have come back in, in the past? So it would just be, it'd be great to see Detroit cash in uh, on that number one pick because they need high-quality players. If they could get four or five picks, four or five new players, that's exactly what they need. Um, however, I, I guess my only question in and around Jared Goff is this whole concept in and around pocket passes, you know. Uh, keeping Tom Brady to the side, Tom's obviously completely different because he's the GOAT. But Jared's inability to use his feet, you know, it, it hurts him. You know, you've only got to look at a guy like Lamar Jackson who played probably his worst ever start as a professional. But because he was your quarterback, because he was able to run, he was able to get himself out of a little bit of trouble here and there. Jared's just not able to do that. So certainly limits them um, a fair bit. Yeah, it definitely does. I think he needs to utilize his feet more. He needs to have, he needs to look for more options. I think when his first read, his second and his third read aren't there, he's got to be able to go get that first down. He just doesn't seem to have that drive. As far as their draft is, I'd be looking at wider receivers, good wide receivers where that's their job to catch the ball because they've got the run play, but they utilize them too much as receivers where they're not getting that yardage and they're not utilizing them in the right way. So I'd like to see them go get some true, good, decent wide receivers that they can count on as far as next year goes. Yeah, I think that's a smart move. All right, guys, well, let's uh, flip it over now to their competitor. Obviously, they're coming up against Minnesota Vikings. Beck, you talk about some of the perplexing teams in the competition. Minnesota, they've always kind of fitted that label, and they've certainly stayed on brand in 2021. Yeah, this Vikings team is such an interesting one to look at. On paper, they are amazing. Like they have a good receiving core. They have good running backs. You know, their defense is decent. They have Kirk Cousins who, you know, has some crazy stat at the moment where he's the most accurate passer for throwing over 10 yards in the league at the moment. Who would have thought? But they just, I don't know what it is with their record and, you know, their win-loss kind of ratio. They just, good on paper, doesn't necessarily translate on the field for them. It's a, It's a strange team. Alex, you know, the NFL community, they're going to go in. We're all going to watch this game. And if Detroit win, if they get their first win, we're not going to be surprised. Why is that? Why are we just expecting the Vikings to, you know, just lose these these unbelievable games? But at the same time, they can, they can turn that around over the next few months and knock over, you know, some of the absolute contenders in the competition. Again, a very confusing team. But, yeah, what's your thoughts on this particular game? You know, Detroit, they're desperate, haven't won a game all season. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be... You know, the Vikings are not going to have it all their way in this game, especially with with uh, a little bit of an injury to Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I think that injury to Dalvin Cook is going to be a huge one for them because that's their kind of run game. He's the guy that's going to go out there and kind of and do that job for them on the ground. But they're not cons- – like even with him doing his job on the ground, they still don't amount many running yards. So I think when you've got a, a Detroit defense that when they show up, they're good – and they can be a very good defense. And if your run game isn't great and your pass game gets interfered with, I don't know what the Vikings have. What, special teams? Like, okay, but you can't kick it every time you get, you know, <laughs> the ball. You're not going to be kicking it on first down every time you get in, in goal range. So, yeah, I just – I think with the – the thing with the Detroit and with the Vikings, you never know what team you're going to get. 
And I think that's what makes this game such an up-in-the-air kind of game. You don't know what Vikings team you're going to get. You don't know what Detroit team you're going to get. Now, if you get a Detroit team that is on and they're switched on and they're ready to go, it's going to be interesting Vikings. If you get a Vikings team that's – if the offense is just clicking and they don't need the run game, then that's going to be good. But, again, it depends on what teams and what mindset shows up on the day because this game is is going to be, you know, tit for tat, I think. Yeah, and when you look at the Lions and the, and the games that they have lost, six of their games, they well, eight of their games, I think it was, they have only lost by eight or more points. Like they're having close games. And so is this Vikings team. Like these Vikings teams aren't blowing anyone out either. So like, like you said, anything could happen just depending on who shows up to play. I mean, the fact that Dalvin Cook could be out, but also the fact that DeAndre Swift is out as well could have major impacts on both these running games. Yeah, so then I think it comes down to the passing game, right? And who's more consistent on the pass? And I I don't know who that is, right? If TJ Hawkins is having a good game and they can utilize all their receivers and Detroit could have a good game. But again, Vikings just tend to look more consistent in their passing game. Again, it just depends who shows up. But I mean, the Vikings are having a pretty pretty great passing game. Kirk Cousins is probably having the best season of his life. And that's because he has... Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson to throw to who are just going up and catching balls for him. Like they're playing balls out. Justin Jefferson has already hit a thousand yards for the season. He's got six touchdowns. Like that receiving core up against the Lions receiving core. I just, I don't think it matches. He's an incredible player. That's for sure. And uh, you know, but you know, in saying that, you know, the the defense gets paid as well and uh, it's going to be pretty easy to double him. You know, that that's obviously uh, an obvious tactic that the Lions will, uh, will bring into that game in terms of trying to keep him quiet. But, you know, Adam Thielen's always there to sort of uh, release a little bit of pressure. All right, guys, time to predict this one. I'm going to kick things off. Uh, look, for me, you know, we're hearing whispers that DeAndre Swift's a little bit knocked around as well as, as a running back for Detroit. So, again, you talk about an even contest. It's going to be very, very interesting. You know, for me, I've, I've got to lean towards the Vikings just because of Justin Jefferson. Love him as a player, uh, but he's really going to have to show out here. He's going to have to show an ability to come up against multiple defenders um, and just basically win. You know, he's going to have to show that he's better uh, than the defense there in Detroit, which I think he can do. So Vikings for me, but uh, to all of your points, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm going to say Vikings by three. Uh, Beck, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm, I, I've been kind of riding the Vikings bandwagon all season. I've kind of like picked them as the underdog a couple of times and they've followed through for me. So I feel like this week, looking at, you know, both offenses coming up against each other, but also also these defenses, like the Vikings have a pretty solid defense to match up against this Lions offense. So I think the Vikings have kind of come out with it. And I think it's either going to be, like you said, a field goal or it's going to be a 15-point game. Like they're either going to win by a three or four touchdowns or they're going to win by a field goal. And Alex, what about yourself? Yeah, this is my underdog pick. I'm going to back the Lions. And the reason I say that is, is because something has got to give with Detroit, right? When you're losing that many games by eight points or less, at some point, you've got to step up and go, guys, we've just got to hold on for dear life. So I feel like if they go up, like that's gonna be the that's gonna be the words. Like just just hold it. Don't do anything stupid. No penalty. So for me, I think with kind of the run game banged up on both sides, I think Detroit might be able to edge it out. Just, just. 
So I'm going to go Detroit. I think that would be a good storyline. And then, you know, it'd be great for the city of Detroit because obviously you'd have to have a national holiday with the Lions winning. Um, so that <laughs> would be great to see um, off the back of uh, a great Thanksgiving break. And let's move through now to our next feature game uh, as we see the Miami Dolphins coming up against the New York Giants. Alex, I'm going to start with you. Let, 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 let's talk about the uh, the New York Giants to start with because, you know, you talk about some of the, the, the quarterback issues that Detroit have got. You know, New York, they, they find themselves in a really interesting um, situation with, with uh, Daniel Jones. I've got, I've got my views on this one, but really interested to hear, you know, what you're thinking there in terms of that QB1 spot there in New York. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you got to kind of throw out there. This is Freddie Kitchen's first job as play calling for the Giants, um, obviously with the news of, of their ex kind of offensive coordinator being, you know, ousted. Um, so I think it was it was a bit of a boring game from Jones. I don't think it was anything kind of kind of fabulous from him. You know, there was kind of no big spark plays, but I don't think the Giants need that, right? I think that's Jones, right? I think it's he's one of those quarterbacks where – you know, he's going to look for players that are going to go make that catches. And, and he and he showed, right, he connected with eight different receivers in this last week's game. So that just shows that they're kind of utilizing everybody right now because they don't have a standout receiver, right? They don't have any that one player that consistently goes and gets it for them. I think it fluctuates week in and week out on, like, through a couple – but I think they're just trying to find that relationship through Jones. I don't think it was a stellar game, especially when you look at the stats. The Eagles outperformed them for sure. But, you know, they were able to hold on, and I think it comes down to their defense. Yeah, I think the problem with Daniel is he's just a guy, and he's not the guy. And and, and that's and part of the challenge with that is, you know, where he was drafted. You know, if, if this guy was drafted in the second or third round, you'd be like, great, you know, he's showing some positive signs. He's pretty cheap. You know, we can get him on an affordable contract and we can kind of build in and around him. But, you know, if he's sort of coming up for a, for a big contract, I would I would certainly be not uh, not too key to enter into that relationship because he's just not special, um, you know, and he's just way too inconsistent. You know, here's a guy who turned the ball over more than any quarterback in the league. He turned that around this season, but then he's gone the other way and he's way too conservative. They can't score points. Not all on him, but I think he needs to take a lot of responsibility. So for me, this is going to be really interesting. I think he's only got a few weeks to keep his job because if the Giants are serious about getting back uh, into contention, they're going to have to really look at that position. Um, Beck, I, I want to talk about another player who's been a little bit disappointing, and that's Saquon Barkley. Um, for those that don't know your background, uh, you know, obviously you've got a lot of experience with these ACL injuries yourself. You know, we're we're in a I guess we're in an age now with medicine where you know you get an ACL injury, it's a quick return. We almost think about them as hamstrings, but you know sometimes we have athletes that just don't quite recover from them, and unfortunately that looks to be the case with Saquon. Yeah, it's kind of sad to see what's happening to him because coming out of the draft, he was the guy. You know, he was the top running back. He was dominating in his rookie season, and then you know he's coming off this. ACL injury. And like you said, I've done it four times. So I know what it's like. I know the rehab. He obviously has a lot more um, medical staff around him to support him and bring him back than I did. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's so hard to tell whether you're going to come back because it's not just a physical thing, but it's also a mental thing. Right. And like, you know, knowing that you've done it once before and you've had to go through these six months of rehab or nine months, you know, you've had to take a whole season off, which sucks in itself. You also have the fear of coming back out and doing it again. So you kind of like, if you're still suffering mentally being out on the field, and I think it could be potentially be something like that for him, because you'll see that he does have limited reps when he is playing, you know, he's not out on the field all the time. 
Yeah, and I think that's tough, especially coming back into this league. Everyone was like, oh, Saquon Barkley's going to have a big season. He's going to be great. He's going to come back. He's going to do this. And I think what we've seen kind of with Christian McCaffrey being out and David Montgomery being out and the likes of teams that, you know, have heavy run offenses or rely a lot on their running backs, it's hard because I think the Giants are kind of going, well, we don't want to overload him but also they're not utilizing him at all, right? It's like you do he, – he's got to get back in the rhythm of running. He's got to get back in the rhythm of trying to get through. So I think the Giants aren't doing him any favors as far as giving him limited reps. And it's showing, right, because their run game is really starting to to be an issue for them, right? Because in the last game, they had 27 carries for 70 yards. Slayton ran for minus 13. I mean, and that's just – that's not a stat that a should be up there b that brings down your average a whole chunk <laughs> but like obviously dude you're going the wrong way like you know you get a minus yards run forward please like all heck all jones has to do is point forward <laughs> you know like it's an easy fix but i think without with with not giving saquon barkley that kind of time to get back into it you know and and giving him limited reps they either don't trust him or or they're just doing him a disservice as far as as, as his playability goes yeah, and he's almost like a veteran player now. So he knows what it takes to be on the field and how much work he has to put in. And I guarantee you he's done that and he's ready to be out there. But like you said, it's affecting their running game because when you like you said, when you look at the stats, Daniel Jones was their second most leading rusher for the game this week and he's their quarterback. Like you don't want your quarterback rushing if they don't have to, especially if they're not the best quarterback to begin with either because, you know, the risk of them getting injured, making mistakes, fumbling, like you just, you don't want any of that. So you really need to bring that running game back and bring and, it back strong. And let's not miss the uh, the O-line as well. I think they've got to take a little bit of responsibility there. There's some big names on, on that as well. You know, you've got uh, you've got Nate Solder, who obviously played for the Patriots as well on, the, on that right side. Will Hernandez, who obviously went pretty high in the draft. And um, again, Andrew Thomas at, at, that, at that left uh, tackle position. You know, he's had his um, suspect moments as well. Another high, high draft pick. So this is a team that... You know, they've, they've spent a lot of capital in, in terms of trying to, uh, you know, get that offensive line right. It's not quite right. You know, one area where they are starting to improve, though, is their is their defense. So um, I think they can certainly sort of keep themselves into games as they have been over the last few weeks. All right, guys, let's flip it over and talk about the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Beck, straight to you on this one. We thought Miami was dead at the start of the season. They didn't have anything going. Quarterback play was awful. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't pass the ball. Awful on defense. I mean, that, that's pretty much everything when it comes to football. They're also quite poor on special teams. So talk, talk to us a little bit about where, where they are at the moment. And I guess this is what we love about our sport is that you've really got to pay attention to the NFL because things can change within a two, three-week period. And whilst Miami, they're probably not headed to the Super Bowl, they have really sort of turned things around in recent weeks. Yeah, I had written the Dolphins off this season. I was like, yeah, two is out. Brisket's, you know, he's not a great quarterback. They have like their seasons over pretty much, but you know, since two has come back, he's lifted this offense and brought something special. I think. I mean, he still obviously is has things to work on. He's not the best on the field. He's making you know poor decisions at times, but also great decisions at times. So yeah, it's just having two back. I think is lifted this offense. Um, and obviously, their win against the Panthers. I don't think any of us seen that coming, especially this Dolphins defense. Like. They balled out this week. Yeah, no, it was definitely a surprising upset there. And Alex, I, you know, Miami's a little bit of an interesting case study because, you know, for those who play fantasy football, they'll probably understand this, that 
I guess putting together a football team, it's not as easy as what everyone makes it out to be, especially, you know, tackling the draft. And Miami are in a position where they've just got so many new players over the last few seasons. They've completely flipped their roster. But it's not as easy as just going out and drafting players and buying players, bringing them together and winning football games and winning Super Bowls. Whilst Tua has been up and down, and there's certainly a lot of criticism that quite rightly goes his way, let's talk about some of the plays they have brought in because... You know, for me, especially at the start of the season, they just haven't really been performing. Exhibit A, Jalen Waddle, you know, as as that wide receiver. I think, you know, you spoke a little bit about this off-air, um, you know, in terms of, you know, he had his breakout game recently. But, you know, he's a player that has all the talent in the world. But I guess he's a little bit of an example of some of the challenges there in Miami where they haven't been getting production out of everyone all season. Yeah, and, and I stand by what we said very, very on in this podcast when we started, that I don't think that Miami should have drafted uh, Jalen Waddle. I think that was a panic draft because they didn't get who they wanted. And I, I think that shows, I don't think their receiving core was bad without him, but I think for someone who had the stats that he did in college for him to take 12 weeks to kind of get his blowout game. When you look at the other kind of rookie wide receivers, whether it's the Eagles or whether it's, you know, Jamar chase with the Bengals or whoever it is, these guys are having breakouts. They were having breakout games, you know, in preseason, you know, maybe not Jamar Chase, but, you know, week one, week two, they were having big games, good games, you know, games where they showed who they were as receivers. The fact that Jalen Waddle has gone 12 weeks and his best game is nine receptions, 137 yards, one touchdown out of 10 targets, like, you know, that's good. But I think for Miami, they needed that 10 weeks ago if not 12 weeks ago. Yeah, I feel like it's been difficult over there with their quarterback situation, though. You know, when you have two quarterbacks coming in and out of games, you know, Tua was injured for so long and then, you know, all of that disruption, it's hard for a rookie quarter uh, running receiver, rookie wide receiver to come in and mm. establish those relationships and that confidence on the field when he's constantly having to adjust to different quarterbacks. Yeah, especially after, you know, all of his injuries, you know, he, he's obviously, he's got the speed, but yeah, certainly that, that combination, given they were college, you know, you know, in the Alabama system, it just, it didn't make a lot of sense, but I know more things that more red flags in terms of the Miami setup too, is, you know, when you think about to um, Alex, we'll probably um, get you to talk about a little bit about this is that, you know, let, let, let's put it this way. Tua was engaged to his partner, but yet his partner was out talking to all other people. And you could see that this year with Brian Flores because, you know, all of this controversy in and around the discussions between Miami and Deshaun Watson, that's got to be really, really hard to take for Tua, you know, where he's just trying, you know, yes, he hasn't played up to his up to his best, but they brought him in as their franchise guy for the next 10 years. And, you know, I, I guess some with some reports, you, you, you can sort of, you know, you can be a little bit suspect on them, but where there's smoke, there's fire. I think Miami Dolphins were talking to Deshaun Watson's camp and, you know, that that's really difficult for Tua. Yeah, I definitely think it is, especially when you come in like you did, right? He was at Alabama. He had a pretty rough injury that took him out for the season in Alabama. He still got drafted pretty high. He, you know, still needed to come in and get over that injury to then get injured again and try and get over that. So I think that hasn't helped him. And, yeah, like when you're a guy that's, you know, however old you are, he's what, like 23, 24, you know, to come into the game and have people go, well, Deshaun Watson's going to go to Miami and, you know, Tua's out, you know, where's Tua going to go? What's going to happen to Tua? To be able to go out there and to have that mentally going, well, this is my job. This is my livelihood. And everyone's telling me that I'm not going to, I might not be here tomorrow. 
definitely think after four straight win, win, four straight wins, I think they owe it to an apology. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's uh, definitely a problematic situation. All right, guys, uh, let's do some uh, quick tips around the ground. Uh, look, for me, I've got to go with the Dolphins, and I think this could be the final game for, for Daniel Jones there in New York. I think if he doesn't win this game, uh, that, I think that's all she wrote there in New York. Uh, Beck, uh, t- tip on this one? I'm going to go against you. And I am going to pick the New York Giants. I I know that Daniel Jones is inconsistent, and you know he's you think he's not the greatest quarterback, or he might not have a job. But I like him, and I'm you know I see so much potential in him, and I feel like if they can just build this running game a little bit more, so he doesn't have to as much, and they can you know get some decent receivers for him to throw to, I think you know, these Giants could build around him rather than having to ditch him. So this week I'm picking the Giants. Yeah, all eyes on Daniel Jones coming into this one. Alex, thoughts on this one? Um, For me, I think this is going to come down to the defenses. I think both defense have quietly kind of built up, right? They've got young guys on the defense. We're getting that experience. Both teams had, you know, at least three interceptions in this past week uh, as far as the defenses go. But for me, I think if you look at just consistency right now, I think it's Miami as far as their defense goes. I think they're just – they edge out the Giants a little bit more. So, for me, I think it's going to come down to Miami and it's going to come down to their their defense winning the game for them. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and in Rapid Fire, we're going to finish out the remaining games uh, in Week 13. And I'm going to start with my bunch of games. And, well, here we go. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs coming up against the Denver Broncos. Now, you know, again, we talk about uh, we talk about this when we uh, recap most uh, Kansas City Chiefs games. If this was predicted at the start of the season, it would be Kansas City and by how much. But uh, how times have changed. Obviously, Denver, they built themselves a you know, a formidable uh, defensive unit. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Look, it's simple. If Pat Pat Mahomes uh, doesn't turn the ball over, Kansas City win. But, um, you know, I've got a little bit of a suspicion that, you know, Denver can uh, force a turnover here. Patrick Satan, he is just, he is some footballer there in in that cornerback position. It'll be great to see him come up against uh, Kansas City. So, look, I, I, I get a bit of a sense here that there's a potential upset Really difficult for me to say if Denver could just get their quarterback position right, I'd have a little bit more confidence. I've got Kansas City winning by three, but not with a lot of confidence. Uh, Moving through now to the New York Jets, the mighty New York Jets, after they get a much-needed victory over another struggling team in the Houston Texans, they'll be taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, who... Well, they had a bit of a minor hiccup. You know, they, they started to kind of find a bit of a, bit of an identity with their running dual threat quarterback there in Jalen Hurts. But yeah, that was an ugly performance against New York and kind of brings them back to um, to square one. Look, this is going to be a closer game than what a lot of people think, but I cannot tip the New York Jets in 2021. It's the Philadelphia Eagles for me. All right, now moving through now, and we're having a look at Alex's beloved Chicago Bears as they, they run into a freight train in the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, again, you talk about case studies and teams that would be fun to explore and to study. Arizona Cardinals are beating most teams in the competition with their backups. So the fact that they're going to return a few starters after a bit of a break, uh, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins are going to be back. Um, you know, they'll, they'll uh, be able to comfortably win this one. And again, all eyes will be on the quarterback position there in Chicago. Can Alti Andy Dalton uh, hold down that role for a few more weeks? Will Justin Fields 
know, when will he return from injury? But ultimately, Arizona will get the job done there. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, Alex is a little bit, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on that head coaching position as well there in Matt Nagy. And moving through to my last game, this is going to be an absolute beauty. We've got the Cincinnati Bengals coming up against the LA Chargers. Again, how the mighty have fallen. The LA Chargers, they look like a, a genuine contender at the start of the season in the AFC. Um, but again, they've moved to, I guess, more pretenders. You know, they just, I, I think we've spoken a little bit about this over the last couple of weeks. There is a softness issue in LA football. The LA Rams, the LA Chargers on the defensive side of the football, they are soft. They really need to turn it around. We threw out the challenge last week. They did not deliver. And here we are again. You know, if LA Chargers roll out that same defense against Joe Burrows, it's going to be ugly. Um, so, you know, it's definitely going to be one to watch. Look, Justin Herbert, he's just got too much talent for me. I'm going to take, I'm going to be bold here. This is going to be my underdog tip of the week. Again, not with a, not with a lot of confidence, but hopefully that defense can fire up. Justin Herbert will lead the Chargers to an underdog victory there. Okay, Alex, take us away. All right, me, Saints-Cowboys. Poor boy did the Saints struggle against the Bills this past week on Thanksgiving. And the Cowboys, just too many penalties for my liking. Their run game struggled. Um, I just, again, this comes down, like, inconsistent. But I don't think the Saints just have the repertoire or the people in um, the offense or the defense to take on the Cowboys. So I'm going to go Cowboys against Saints on that one. Texans-Colts. I mean, who thought the Colts would give the Bucks a run for their money? like they did this past week. So the Colts have been a, a, a small surprise there, I think. Um, so I think over the Texans, who took a loss to the Jets. So, you know, that's that's, that's embarrassing for pretty much any franchise, really. So I'm going to go Colts over the Texans. Um, Falcons, Bucks. Um, that one's an easy one. I got the Bucks on that one. So I'm Beck, please don't hate me for this one. But I, I, I'm going to go 49ers on that one. I just think right now they're kind of cruising. They've kind of found their feet. I think their run, their run game's a little banged up. But I don't think that Seattle has the run game to answer. So for me on that one, I'm going to go with the 49ers. Yeah, I'm not offended at all. I feel like the 49ers have come out of their bye week and just steam trained through the NFL. So yeah, not offended at all. Um, I'll start with my picks, my last four games that we have. For the week, starting with the Raiders versus Washington, I feel like this one's a bit of a no-brainer. Raiders all the way. I've been, you know, as much as they've had a struggling season, they've had so much happen for them on and off the field. They're showing up every week and they're playing hard and they're winning, you know, games that we aren't expecting them to win. So I think Washington isn't really much of a matchup for them. So they're winning that one this week. Next game, I have the Rams versus Jags. Again, I feel like this is an obvious point. We're at a point in the league where, like, you know, it's hard to pick a winner, but I feel like the Rams are going to blow out the Jags this week. Um, next is the Steelers versus Ravens. Like I said, Big Ben, just he's he should retire. He hasn't got anything left in the tank. And this Steelers defense, just I don't think it has the stammer that it used to. It's not because they're on the field all the time because the offense just can't get the ball rolling. They're not showing up and playing like we expect them to. And Lamar Jackson at the Ravens is doing it all every week. Like I said, he had his worst game this week. He threw four, four intercepts and was still able to go out and win a game. So he can do it all. And he's going to this week against the Steelers. And the last game I have is the Bills versus the Patriots. And Dan, you are going to love me this week because this is my underdog tip of the week. I'm backing the Pats. They're on a six-game winning streak, which is the longest in the NFL at the moment. 
they just beat the Titans and I think that they're going to continue winning pretty much through to the playoffs. I have I have confidence in this Patriots team. So they are my underdog and they're going to beat the Bills. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Uh, thank you to my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, as always, uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, thank you for continuing to follow the show downloading the show. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, please share share the podcast with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. Team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.